Hi, everybody. It's Tina here. Just a really quick message. Before you listen to this amazing episode with Terry Shepard, I do want to apologize. The audio quality on my end is absolutely horrible at times, and I'm very sorry for it. Unfortunately, we're having major technical difficulties on my side uh, that day, and my post-production editor tried to do the best job he could, uh, but still, you're going to hear it. There's a couple of parts that are really inaudible. Again, my apologies, and thank you so much for being uh, patient with us. I appreciate you listening to the podcast. It's a great episode with Terry Shepard and some of the best advice that you're ever going to hear. So have a, a great day and thank you again so much for listening and subscribing to In The Suite. Hi, this is Tina Powell, host of In The Suite, where I sit down with top women leaders and some of the biggest names in the financial services and the wealth management industry. Together, we'll discover some of their best secrets and top strategies to grow a great business, build a strong brand, and lead teams in the 21st century. I hope you'll enjoy hearing their amazing personal stories of triumph, trepidation, and transformation in hopes of becoming better leaders ourselves. The time for you to lead is now, and you're in the suite. Terry Shepard is president of one of the fastest growing financial services firms in the country, Carson Group, based out of Omaha, Nebraska, which bears the name of its visionary founder, Ron Carson, and also comprises Carson Partners and Carson Coaching. As president of Carson Group, Terry leads operations, technology, compliance, and legal. And with over $12 billion in AUM at the time of this recording, Carson Group services over 32,000 families across the United States and in more than 120 partner offices around the country. An important fact about Terry is that she was the first woman executive to join the Carson Group team. And when Terry joined Carson over eight years ago, the number of female advisors stood at zero. It is since increased to 40% and it keeps on growing. And when I asked this purposeful and focused mother of three how she did it, the answer was one word, adaptability. As president, Terry gets to occupy the C-suite with one of the industry's most prominent leaders, Ron Carson, and her co-president, Aaron Shabin. And over a period of years, they have led with adaptability and focus and completely transformed the entire business. Carson Group is a mainstay in the Barron's annual list of top wealth management firms, and Carson Group remains around the Inc. 5000 list of fastest growing companies. Prior to joining Carson Group, Terry previously held the position of Executive VP, CFO, and COO at an independent broker-dealer, REA, and insurance company for over 10 years, as well as the corporate controller of a publicly traded biotech firm for two years. Terry's also been recognized by multiple publications, and most recently, as a top Women in Asset Management by Financial Planning and Investment News Women to Watch Award in 2018. And among the many gifts you'll discover about Terry is her approach and what she describes is her higher calling. She speaks truth and confidence in others and can see things in other people they maybe can't see themselves. I hope you'll enjoy this episode of Terry Shepard in the suite. So today in the suite, we have the distinct honor to welcome Terry Shepard, 
president of Carson Group. Before we begin today's episode, which is going to be very enriching, both Terry and I just want to take a pause here and tell you that it is Friday, June 5th, 2020, at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And there is a lot, a lot going on in the world. So before that we get into the broadcast, you know, Terry, I'm so excited and, and we know that we're going to learn so much from you on this broadcast and talk a little bit about your origin story and about how you've been able to grow the female representation at Carson Group and manage to break the the quintessential glass ceiling being a mother of three and all of these exciting things. And I do want to also acknowledge that you were the first woman that was ever appointed to the Carson Group executive team. So there's so many things that, that we can learn from you. But right now, with race relations and with the world being so volatile, not only because of coronavirus, but because of what the horrific acts that are seeing, the violence against people. Well, how is Carson Group handling that right now? Because, you know, different companies, whether or not you take a, play, a, a page out of the playbook of a smaller company or a larger company, I think that we're all trying to help lean into each other and navigate through this change. So what do you want to say about that? Oh, Tina, I so agree with you. We have to lean into each other. And it's really impossible to ignore what's happening around us right now. As of right now, it's been just over a week since the wrongful death of George Floyd in Minneapolis. And since then, protests and riots have shaken America. And here in Omaha, where I live, uh, we've also had an incident here uh, where there has been a death. Uh, so it's just far reaching and it continues. And we're very saddened by this whole situation. You know, I, I want you to know that ultimately Carson stands on the side of justice, you know, and our whole profession really needs to come together. And my hope in all of this is that what I've really done some self-discovery around is that I often take a passive route where I won't speak up. And I think that this has been an incident that has really caused all of us to pause and think, but also realize to the depths of our, our soul that we can't just be quiet anymore and we need to care for others before we care for ourselves. And that to me is the American way and that's what this is all about. So, you know, we, we care deeply about every person and, and there's a lot of things happening in the world right now that just should pull us together rather than pull us apart. And that's, that's what my hope is. Hmm. And you have such strong leadership over Carson. I mean, I know Ron, founder and CEO of Carson Group. And I think if there's anything, he's been so humble. He's been such a... He, his, his personality is so warm and so open and you can just see that you don't build a billion dollar organization the size of a person unless you can actually demonstrate that you care and that you respect people and their values. I had a, a big talk with myself yesterday and I I can do a better job also too that using this podcast platform to hear the voices of not just more women, but also to women of color, of all colors. So we're looking forward to that in the future.
going in a COVID world, right? I think what makes this period in time so unbelievable is that it's, it's layered upon something that was already causing so much anxiety in our lives. So how are you doing with the, uh, the pandemic? You know, thank you for asking, Tina. I would say, you know, one of our core values at Carson is adaptability. And boy, if there's a word that has to describe our world over the last several months, it is adaptability. Who would have ever thought that 2020 would hold what it has for us? Everything here has gone so well. I think, you know, personally, I think connections and interactions for all of us as humans is like a basic core need. And I think we've all had to learn how to adapt to that environment. Uh, And for many of us, it's been such a wonderful time to reconnect with our families and our kids in a whole other way. So I have really enjoyed that. But I would also say it's added a lot of challenges. So my kids obviously didn't go to school. So I'm teaching them work leading the organization. But we really haven't skipped a beat. I think it's very much one of those where you have to make sure that you spend time for yourself in the morning. You take care of yourself so that you can take care of others. And that's been a big part of what I've done is make sure that I get up early, focus on all the things that I need to do to care for me because there's a lot of people depending on me right now. I think the pandemic has really stretched all of us and Mm. it's really how we live each day and in those moments that kind of define who we are. So it's, it's been good. Besides getting up early and you're looking, you're looking fantastic. I can't believe that you're the mother of of three boys. You look amazing. What else do you do from a self-care perspective? This has been a theme that we've talked about a lot. I mean, just the other day, I will admit that it, it was so busy. I didn't even shower that day. I took a very late like night bath with lavender bath seeds that I've never, like I've never in a million years bought lavender. So what is it that you're doing that you could tell us a little bit on the, on the self-care side? You know, I, in the morning, mornings are always very important to me. And uh, for the longest time, I have really gotten up generally 5 to 5.30. And I always spend time for me. I journal. I do mm. quiet time for myself because I think it's really important to just get down sometimes our thoughts and what's in our minds drive us throughout the day. And if we don't have our mind really solid and focused in the morning, then we kind of fall into whatever happens throughout the day. So I like to try to do that to be purposeful and focused. And then I I generally exercise in the morning. So I at least twice a week go and lift weights. That's proven to be really helpful for me. I have back problems and that's actually really helped me with my back problems. And then uh, I'll do cardio to some degree for three or four days a week. But that always makes me feel fantastic. And as far as I know you mentioned, I have three kiddos. I will say one of them is a special needs kiddo. And so there isn't a lot of time necessarily for a nice quiet bath. I don't think any working mom has any time for Well, actually, any working mom or stay-at-home mom really has a lot of time. But, you know, that adds another element here in my life. So those are really the things that I do. And then it's just keeping all the balls up in the air throughout the day. It gives me the strength that I need to stay focused. 
Yeah, I, it's interesting that you had mentioned journaling, Terry, because I've talked to uh, Carolyn McClanahan, who was also a guest on In the Suite. She has journals for various parts of her life. She's got a whole different collection of journals. And I thought, wow, that's a really interesting way to approach journaling is actually divided into different areas. So now you're president of Carson Group along with Aaron Shabin. So you're co-presidents. Does the fact that you share the presidency, I want to understand some delineation between what you do and what Aaron does and if it's a collective role here and how you support each other. I guess, was that really key to you going into this period of this unbelievable change here to actually share share the role? Yeah, Aaron and I actually met when I was interviewing at Carson, and he is a very young guy, so he really truly is the next gen. And when you think about our relationship, and even Ron Carson, right? He's always been a visionary uh, in our profession and just in general, but he hired me, a, a woman executive, and he hired Aaron to really drive the business. And at the time, of course, we weren't co-presidents, but it was really the three of us that started this Carson Group Partners team eight years ago. And it was intended to take the best of Carson Wealth, uh, a successful advisor firm, and make other advisors Carson Wealth capable overnight. And really, Aaron in the next gen and what he really brings to the table is like he, I mean, just like Ron, he's so inspirational and passionate is great at building relationships. And, you know, just we all three work so well together. But specifically in the co-president, uh, it's I have always really focused on running the day-to-day parts of the business and building out the team and the tools and the resources. And Aaron has focused a lot on business growth and development. And so our, our skill sets really complement each other. And uh, that's always worked out really, really well. And I know, Aaron, and I'm not exactly sure where we met and whether or not that we met on Twitter and then we saw each other at a TV conference. The last time that I saw you too was at T3. I've seen you present. I've seen Ron present. And there's always such a, such an electricity in the air wherever you are, where the person group is, certainly whenever Ron's on stage, I'm like mesmerized. I'm mesmerized by his incredible energy and that you've had, you've been such visionaries for so long. So now Carson, where you're president, I want to understand this because the, the company now has, has evolved. You, you're headquartered in Omaha. And the way that I understand it is that Carson Group is actually comprised of three companies, Carson Wealth, Carson Coaching, and Carson Partners. And where, where do you all fit into this entire ecosystem? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Uh, so Carson Coaching, I would say that's been a passion of ours for a really long time. We love helping people. And specifically at Carson, we love helping advisors build and grow their business, help them serve their clients well, be a true fiduciary. I mean, that is at the heart and soul of who we are. And 
So yes, we have all the Carson entities, but Carson Coaching is really a company that Ron started many years ago to help advisors. You know, many of them are really good relationship people or they're great at helping sell and they just want to help people. But running a business and being a CEO of a business is a whole nother uh, thing. So Carson Coaching, at the heart of it, is really to help advisors build the, the business, help coach, mentor, and train their teams, and help them be successful business owners. And it's a big part of who we are. Uh, Carson Wealth is the business that Ron first started in 1983, and that is to, to serve clients as a financial advisor. And so that's here in Omaha. It's a billion-dollar-plus firm. And then Carson Partners actually started eight years ago, and that's why I joined the firm, uh, because Ron had Carson Wealth, which was successful, and Carson Coaching, where he was coaching advisors how to be successful. And he said, Terry, I want to do more. I want to help advisors to the next level, not just try to coach them, and then they have to go back to their firm and adapt and you know, implement all these things, uh, because it's hard, right? You learn all these things at conferences, and then you get back in the office, and to make them happen, it's really hard and, and, and you can't implement them. So what if we built something where we built the infrastructure so that advisors could plug in and like I said a few moments ago, really become Carson Wealth capable overnight? How fun would that be? And I was like, I could really get excited about that because I, I love independent advisors. That really truly is a little bit of the American dream, right? Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. You get to start a business. And, you know, I happen to be a little bit of a generalist. I, I'm a little bit good at a lot of different things. And it's, it plays well into small business. My husband came from a small business and I helped them for a little while. So it's so fun. Like that's the passion and the energy that you see every day. I think with Ron, Aaron, and I, we just love helping people. And we found a way to mix work and fun and to fulfill the passion that we have to help others. And you've also too found a way to be on the cutting edge of things. So how difficult is that to do in a world that's moving at warp speed? What are, are some of the secrets that, that you can share with us? Aside from plugging into Carson and being part of the ecosystem there, I've always been fascinated by people who understand where the world is going. And I think Ron is definitely fits in that because you don't build something like this unless you know where the world is going and you have that future vision, but that certainty of future vision. So how are advisors and members of, of Carson Group, how do you dictate or how do you show them where things are going? Right. You know, I've been in the industry for about 20 years at this point. And I would say we have been talking about a lot of things for a long time. You know, so price compression and yeah. technology and, you know, commissions going to zero at custodians. I would say that, Ron, I don't think there's anybody better to see the future. I mean, and beyond not just three and five years, but really far out. So we start building towards that. But probably the biggest thing has been our adaptability. And we build for a lot of different scenarios. And so that when you get there, you can pull one lever or the other, right? And because in this world that we live in, I mean, look at 2020, what has changed? You have to be 
adaptable. And sometimes you don't always know the end goal that you're working towards, but you have a pretty good idea. And as long as you stay focused, I think the biggest thing that I would say over the last eight years is you can get distracted by a lot of things that don't matter. The biggest thing that you have to do as a leader within your team and your organization is try to get rid of the noise, take down the barriers that that keep people distracted, any drama or, you know, projects or little things, stay focused and stay true to who you are and where you're going. Because if you do that, you'll be able to get to where you need to go and where you need to go may change over that whole time. But that's what makes you innovative and different if you can adapt to that change and, and the requirements that you have to make to, to make that change. What you just said reminded me, I listened to Reed Hoffman, the co-founder of LinkedIn, and he gave a commencement speech and he wrote it down. I forget what university that he was doing it for, but he actually on his podcast is he read it out loud. And the, the key word there, which is exactly what you just said, Terry, it's adaptability. He's like, if there's one skill, if there's one skill, it's not the strongest that survives. It's the most adaptable that survive. And I'm like, wow, that is so incredibly powerful. And also that, that whole idea of focusing, you hit the nail on the head when you come back from a conference or you any type of learning opportunity where you see a lot of fresh ideas and fresh approaches, modern day thinking, you come back and you're, it's almost analysis from paralysis. What do I start out with first? Where do we go for first? Uh, again, organizations have limited budgets and resources and you don't know what to do first, but if you're fully focused on the mission, the vision, and you know what your goals and objectives are, then you can immediately deploy it and feel confident about what you're doing because you are focused on it. So much shiny object syndrome, right? Right. Absolutely. And I would say in our profession, in our industry, we have a bad habit of wanting to be everything to everybody, you know, and we have all these different investment products. You could do so many different things. We have all these technologies there's so much noise. And if you don't focus, you can get so easily distracted. And then you have these legacy systems that pull you down, right? So we really started eight years ago saying, let's focus on clean data. Let's focus on building for where we want technology to be seven to eight years from now, uh, so that when the technology is where it should be, we'll be ready. And, and so we can avoid some of that legacy the, the anchors that pull you down rather than being the engine that you need to be. So we've held true to that all the way through and it looks different every year, but it's worked really well for us. I was really fascinated to have you on the podcast today, Terry. Because you do, it's very unique. I feel that two people are actually sharing a role, but they're going to bat for each other when they're not in the room. We hear so much about like dramas, especially with women and leadership and positions being offered to one person over another. And I'm really fascinated that someone like, especially in Carson Group, I think it's it's very innovative, this whole approach to how you can manage 
a, a firm and have two people share the role is extremely innovative and says a lot about your culture and Ron's belief in you and Aaron. And I thought that I would just want to read what he said, because I think his words are, are mission critical for, again, a period like today where there's constant evolution and, and change. It really is. I imagine that this is almost the harbinger of maybe what's to come in the future is by sharing. And so here's what he had to say. I love it. It says, Terry and Aaron have been both so integral in growing the firm to where it is today. And they'll be just as crucial in fulfilling our vision for where we are going tomorrow. Their relentless dedication to the organization and complementary skill sets are why this decision to make them co-presidents needs so much sense. When I approached them, each of them individually, they both said the other was deserving of it. They wanted it for each other. That's what makes Carson so special. It's incredible. What can you say about some of the environments that are not so, I guess, healthy and innovative oriented, still rooted not only in legacy systems, Terry, but in old ways of thinking? You know, what would your advice be to encourage the, I guess, the fresh approaches to people and management and leadership in organizations in the wave of so much change and volatility going on around us right now? Right. You know, I think that we've always heard leadership is influence, but I would say that leadership for Carson is a humble confidence. And, you know, when you think of others more than you think of yourself, I think that you can go so far. And if you have people at the top or near the top that are kind of battling for position, I mean, just think of, we talked earlier about the distraction, you know, get rid of all the distractions. Let's focus. I mean, that, that is at the heart of all of this. We don't get distracted. We're trying to figure out first what's best for the client, you know, then what's best for the advisor and, and our internal stakeholders. We don't call them employees. We call them internal stakeholders. But that, I love that. Yeah, it, it starts with all of us. So we really try to set the tone of just being humbly confident. So we've got to be confident in knowing where we're going and giving direction and knowing exactly what we need to do. But we can do that not by saying, hey, go do this, go do this. We can have a humble confidence about that. And I know I listened to some of your podcasts before. And one of the things that I believe it was Margarita Chang mentioned was just not teaching people, but actually helping them learn. And mm, that's, yeah. that's a great piece that I loved that she shared was we really need to help people learn and learn how to lead, learn how to think better about where we need to go because if they define it for themselves and they're not getting it from us then we really have something right if we have to tell people here's what we're going to do or teach them what here's what we're going to do but it really comes we talk a lot about bottom-up innovation we really want all of us to learn and grow and develop this together because then it becomes more of a hundred year firm which is what we want for carson this isn't about terry or ron or aaron this is about, you know, Carson as a whole and that we want people to love being part of our organization and achieving our mission to be the most trusted for financial advice. So, you know, that's the energy again that you, you get from us as we love what we're doing and we try to energize people around us so that we can all 
lift each other up to hit another standard that we didn't know we could do until we started working together to get there. So it makes it fun. Well, thank you very much for that. And the episode with Margarita was extremely inspiring here. And I learned so much from having people like you on the podcast, Terry and Margarita. And it is about teaching. It's about new behaviors and us just learning from each other, which was a big part of what she was talking about and her philosophy and, you know, being fearless. And it's, it's interesting because it's like, as we innovate and we try new approaches to things, we're not always going to be right all the time, but certainly that we can pivot and go into another direction. But if we don't even try in the first place, then we'll never even get there. Here's something also too, that I was very deeply curious about. So here you joined Carson eight years ago, right? But here's the thing that surprised me. So in the beginning, when you joined Carson, female advisors stood at zero, right? They stood at zero. And now, well, actually, you have taken that number and you've totally crushed it. Totally. You've gone from zero, and this is I guess, the latest stuff that I have, but you've grown it to over 40% women. When you came in the organization, when you came into Carson Group, and yes, that was a bold, bold vision for the future, did he set that benchmark or did you just, how do you approach that again with such a, a bold goal, right? That is bold and audacious. You know, what the first and most important thing is you have to have someone working with you that's willing to break through that ceiling, right? And that's one thing that I've always really appreciated about Ron is that he sees what he would like to have happen. And he's like, you know what, I need to do something to help make that happen. And, you know, so that's, I think he hired me with the goal of doing more, but not necessarily saying, hey, I want female advisors. Ultimately, the goal was we need to make sure that we have a diverse set of advisors and people here in this organization so that we can serve not just a certain portion of America to be the most trusted for financial advice, but we want to help everyone. And how do we start doing that? And so just me being a woman, it was easy to see that, wow, there's a little bit of a gap here right now. And uh, happy to say that at the time we were looking at uh, a firm out in California that happened to be run by a woman, uh, started by a woman, and she had females in her office. And so just made great connections there. So we happened to do that deal, which obviously increased the number quickly. But then here in Omaha, we also did a, a specific effort around hiring some women advisors. And, you know, I, I got the support of Ron in everything that I did there. And he wanted it almost more than I did, which is what the big difference is there. And one thing that I often say is that, you know, yes, Ron gave me a seat at the table, but Ron also helped me have a voice at the table. That is something that I share, you know, when I speak at times, is that if you are in here and in this room and you want to bring about change, don't just give the women or other diversity, you know, folks, don't just give them a seat at the table. But sometimes, I mean, I'm slow to speak. Uh, I'm happy listening to other people speak. And if they don't say what I believe needs to be said, I'll speak up then. But early on, I was very quiet. And very often, Ron would say, Terry, what do you think? Because he would see me being quiet. 
And so that's where he helped me find my voice. And so I just hope that for all of us right now, you know, in the world, uh, we need to help others find that voice. And, you know, even with what we talked about earlier with all the diverse things happening in the world, we all need to find that voice and it needs to be a healthy voice. Um, It needs to be the right voice, but it's very important that we help each other find those. So it's so interesting just by the the tilt and and someone asking you the question terry what do you think and i'm thinking that people listening to this episode right now whether or not that you're a male or female leader right because we're all trying to do our best to teach other people and to mentor and to develop other leaders and so there probably is someone sitting in your conference room right now or maybe even on your zoom because let's face it we're all virtual right now that you can stop just by the very act of you actually stopping and then getting an opinion from each person around the table. I think that's a major learning opportunity, but says even more. That is a, that is a phenomenal, simple thing to do that we can all do to make sure that the ideas of others are being represented. And that is also a way that we can bring inclusivity into our lexicon and into our offices and our leadership. Very often, one of the best voices in the room is the quietest voice. And if you don't help them learn to to speak up and help them and encourage them to do that, you will never hear their voice. Now you arrive at Carson Group, and obviously he t- that Ron uh, saw great qualities in you, Terry. But you know a lot of that. In fairness to you, and so one of the things I like to instill on the people that I work with and my interns, and now I have a, a new member of my team as well too, is to just make sure that they have the certain you know certain opportunities. I see certain things in them the technical skill set can be taught but i can't teach you how to have a great attitude i can't teach you to have a great mindset i can't teach you to be you know to care about other people and other things if you don't have that dna to begin with so walk us through a little bit of that origin story tell us a little bit about your background and how you arrived at constant group because so many people listening myself myself included as i'm you know very intrigued by this discussion how do you get a seat with it in the room in the first place it was everything that you did prior to Carson that got you that seat at the table and then later that voice at the table as as what we were talking about how do you even get in the organization yeah no that is a great question Tina and and I think it's really important Uh, I get that question a lot like how do you get started and you know the biggest thing that I would say is you've got to be proactive in learning and getting mentoring from others. I will say through my career, I think I've learned as I've gone, but I, because I'm a little, probably a little bit more shy or I was especially coming right out of college, but it is so important to learn from others. 
what my background is. I, I went and got an accounting degree. I came out of college and worked at a CPA firm and then gradually went to, it was a startup broker dealer. And so I went to work in the accounting department and it happened to then grow into a broker dealer of about 500 advisors. So it was a great experience. I learned so much, but through all of that, I really had a mentor that took me under his wing because he saw something in me. And I think that that is something that is so important for all of us who have now hit a certain point in their career to do what you said, find that voice that's a little bit quieter, take them under their wing, help mentor and coach them. And if you're one who wants to be mentored, seek it out because I think that I would have been really shy to ask someone to mentor me. But I will also tell you, I've had several people ask me to mentor them and I would never think of saying no, right? Because I want to help. And so I think sometimes our shyness keeps us from doing the things that could really make a needle move for us. And so I just encourage everyone that if you want to grow your career, you want to learn more, do more, you know, ask people for help, ask people to mentor you and train you and that you just want to learn from them because you can learn so much in a short amount of time. And so based on the fact that you've obviously been successfully mentored by a lot of great leaders in the industry, what would your advice be on the one hand, on the mentor side, right? Like what makes a good mentor? And then also too, what makes a good mentee? Because I think a lot of us, myself included, have wanted more mentorship. We don't necessarily know where to go, who to ask. Is it that formal ask, like, Terry, I would love for you to mentor me, or does it, is it something that when it happens organically over maybe a longer period of time where there's not the formality of like a mentor program in, in a company, because more and more and more companies are, are starting to offer that. I am curious, like, what makes a good mentor? What makes a good mentee? And what makes a good mentor program? You know, I will say like mentor programs, there's a time and a place for that because sometimes you need to have a platform just so that people who wouldn't approach you individually, they know where to go and what to do. But my favorite, so ultimately I think in life, we all think of one mentor and Aaron Shaven and I just actually talked about this today. We have multiple mentors. And if, if we're really gonna be the people that we wanna be, right? We need mentorship from several different people. And I do think a lot of those are informal. It's more that, you know what? I really, There's something about this person that I love and that I'm drawn to, and I'm just going to ask him to go have coffee, right? Because yeah. somebody like, hey, could we go get a, a drink and get a coffee? You know, they're going to say in most cases, yeah, let's do that. If you're a natural leader, you're naturally going to mentor that person. And in, in both ways, you both get blessed out of that, you know, that connection. So I think that that informal is actually the very best. I've had my favorite mentor or mentor, mentee moments in the informal side, but there's a time and a place for both. 
Wow. I love that answer. And I think that you're, I think that you're right. And one of the, one of the ways actually that I'm trying to create more mentoring in my life is actually have, having female leaders like you, Terry, on the podcast and in the suite, because in some ways I almost feel like it is a type of mentoring and I'll, I'll, I'll even go a step further. I remember seeing Mark from Pershing at a conference and he was talking about reverse mentoring. So we need, we, we need people at both levels. We need people on top, people below, older, younger, like it doesn't matter. I love this whole idea of this informal membership because then it doesn't feel so, I guess, awkward. It feels a lot more safe. And a lot of us, myself included, have not necessarily done the ask when we should have for fear of maybe being rejected. I couldn't agree with you more. And I want you and anybody listening to the podcast to know that I even have that fear, right? Like if I say, Tina, could you mentor me? You know, um, that that's a lot. But if I said, hey, Tina, let's go get a coffee or like next time you're in town, let's go have, you know, let's go have a nice time together. I would do that. But I I have been so blessed by some women that have reached out to me and just said, hey, can we just connect like once an hour for, you know, on a monthly basis, just for the next few months, just because I'd love to get to know you a little bit more. Those situations have blessed me so much. And I would say women were, especially working women with families, were just like trying to get through the checkbox, right? We got to go, 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 go. We don't take time to do some of these things to care for others and bless others. And it's something that I'm really trying to find time and prioritize that space to try to help others do that because we're so hesitant to ask for help ourselves. And so it's such a blessing if you proactively ask others to bless you. Yeah, I remember. And in all, in full disclosure, Terry Shepard, I even had, I asked you to be on the podcast in person and I was looking at you and it was either T3 or TD. And I saw you and I'm like, oh my God, that's Terry Shepard. And I'm like, I would love, absolutely love for her to be on the podcast. I, th- I didn't even have the podcast live yet, but I went up to you and you were so great about it. I was like, hi, you know, I'm Tina and I would love to have you on the podcast. And you were like, yeah, you, you handed me your card. I still have your card, which is fantastic. And you were just so approachable. And I remember leaving that, I almost wanting to skip, right? And do cartwheels down the hall after you said yes. It is such a giving back. Like right now, I'm, I feel so blessed that you're here right now for this podcast, for the, the, the women and men who are listening to share all of these great things and this positive information. I think it's something that we all need to hear. And I would say, I don't think anyone, you know, even Ron, I mean, I'm amazed at how many people he responds to on LinkedIn. Like when people call him, he does a better job of calling people back that he doesn't even know than many that I know. So just your example of coming up to me, we don't do that enough in our society for fear of rejection. And I just, we, I can't stress that enough. We all need to do better there. So good for you, Tina. 
when you came up to me, I was like, oh, she seems so fantastic. And you're such a sweet person. And I wouldn't have dreamed of saying anything other than, yes, I'll do that. I'd love to. So thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much. And one of the things that I've learned to cope with rejection, because we all have rejection, I think that it is a necessary thing that we have to learn, is always in the back of my mind, I say it's a no, no for now. No for now. No is a word that we all have to we all have to learn to get used to. Either we're on the receiving end or we are on the messaging end. We all need to have the word no in our vocabulary. I think where I've had a hard time, especially being a woman over 40, is not to internalize it against me, not to take it so personally that if it's a no, number one, it's a no for now. And number two, there might be things you don't know what you don't know. So there might be a very valuable or viable reason, a logical reason why it's a no. And rather than get all up emotional about it, just be a little bit more logical and move on to the next. I mean, even in sales, it's formulaic, right? They're always saying sales training, you need to go through, you need to get a certain amount of no's before you get, before you get yes. Everybody has to learn to deal with no. I love that. I love that. It's no for now. And that it, we all need to embrace that because no does not mean rejection. I love that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So now that Carson Group has grown in female representation, which I think is is a fantastic thing, are there certain, I guess, segments of the population? One of the things that I'm trying to address, Mary, with this podcast, and, you know, partially for selfish reasons, I am over 40, and it's been hard to look around and to see a lot more of the over 40 cohort in financial services. So is there advice that you can offer? Again, you've been somebody that's been very adaptive in your own career. Where are the best opportunities for women over 40 and how can we make ourselves, I guess, more adaptive to secure ourselves, get more yeses and less noes in it going forward? Yeah. You know, when you think about if you're 40 or right around there, you've got 20 plus years left in your career. You can make a huge impact. I haven't been in my profession for 25 years yet, right? So I would say there, when I think of women in our profession, I don't think there's anyone better to meet with clients, meet them where they're at, help listen to them, be empathetic, help them achieve their life goals. There should be a lot more women in our profession. And I would just encourage if you don't have your CFP or, you know, you're in a different profession altogether, I mean, the time is now. There is such a great opportunity and women connect with relationships in such beautiful ways that I think we can take it to a whole nother level. But how how I would describe just as a woman, have faith and confidence in yourself. If I could go back to my, you know, 20 year old self, I think a lot of women were just trying to figure out life and we don't have the confidence that we should just naturally have. When I, when I turned 40, I realized what Oprah Winfrey, I remember watching her when she turned 40 and she was like, I'm so comfortable in my skin. And I, I think I feel the same way. And if I could just give a gift to any 
younger woman would be just have confidence in yourself. And I would tell myself, like, you're the right person for the job. Don't defer. Don't push things away, but own it, grab it and drive it. Because I think what I have really learned in my career is that I am the right person for the job. And very often, I don't think previously I've really owned that. And I think we just have to really have confidence in ourselves that nobody can do it better than us. And I've, I've myself, I've struggled with that for whatever reason. But now I have that confidence and it's really helped me make a bigger impact in the role that I'm in. That's a common thread. I too have struggled with that confidence factor. And last episode we had Cheryl Nash on and Cheryl Nash said that she's, she went through basically every different role within Pfizer. And she, she always said yes to the opportunity, but she never a hundred percent always felt that she was there. So she said, yes, but, and I was so refreshing. I'm like, wow. So do you think that sometimes that we actually, we say no because we feel no, but we should be saying yes anyway, because it, if we say yes, you're not expected, but as long as you have that belief in yourself and your adaptability and you're willing to learn, then you eventually master something. Do you have anybody in Carson, for example, you know, women that confide in you and that, you know, are struggling with some of these same things? Absolutely. I, I would say one of my favorite things as a leader, it, you referenced this earlier, but you can see things in people that maybe they can't see for themselves. And if you can see that in them and put them in a position and give them confidence and speak truth and confidence, like you are going to be great at this. I know you're not right now. I know it might stretch you, but just grab it and own it because I have confidence in you. Like that, those are my favorite moments as, as a leader where people then do that and they realize like, wow, I am good at this. That is when you really have something. And that's what really being a leader and developing a team around you. And that's how you have fun. So that is just part of our culture, I would say, Tina. That's how we approach so much. And I wish everyone had that opportunity. I love the strategies that we've talked about. I want to re-emphasize what you just said, that if there's a, a woman in your organization who you want to promote inside, she might not feel ready for it. And that is completely normal. Actually, that is expected. And just the leader in you to say to them, Hey, you are ready for this. You are going to do great with this. You got this. And that's the narrative that we need to adopt in our workplaces to actually get the best out of people and to pay it forward so that they can reach new heights is just to let them know that we believe in them. It's such a simple statement, but it's something that I'm hearing from you that we need to say a little bit more, more often than we do, Terry. 
Absolutely. We believe in you. I agree. And, you know, let me just say that probably one of my defining moments, just being a woman in finance was doing the women to watch for investment news. And that was in 2018. It wasn't even that long ago. But I would say my whole focus was Carson here in Omaha doing what I do. And I think that, you know, that really blessed me, Suzanne Syracuse and meeting all the women in that community. It really opened my eyes to realize like I'm part of a larger community of women in leadership in our profession. And I have a higher calling here where I need to help other women find mm. confidence, believe in themselves, because there's very capable women that we just need to encourage to get to that next level as well. So that is one of my goals as well. So before my last question, I do want to ask how people can get a hold of you, because if there's anything that you take away from today, it's that the female leaders of the world that you're seeing, the Terry Shepherds, the Suzanne Syracuse's, the Cheryl Nash's, the Margarita Chang's, they are all approachable. And there are so many extremely gifted women in finance right now in various degrees. They're not all advisors. They represent executive leadership and everything in between. Make your voices heard to them. So with that, I'll ask you, Terry Shepard, what's the best way for someone listening to this broadcast right now to get a hold of you? And where can they also find Carson Group? Yeah, I would say the best place is to go to LinkedIn. Look me up on LinkedIn or Twitter. I'm not as active on Twitter, but I probably need to be. But those are the two best places to stay connected for sure. So my last question, and I have such fun asking this question because I get answers that I come out of left field and it gives us a big surprise. So as I talk to more and more women, especially in the financial services industry, some are actually using, we, we find a way to bring our superpower to being and give us that power boost when we all need it the most. And I've heard everything from Air Jordans to Wonder Woman bracelets. And so what is it for you, Terry? Do you have something special? You know, I do. So I'm going to go deep here, though, rather than fun, uh, because I love Danny's Air Jordans. That's amazing. <laughs> so I have an angel that my aunt gave me on my wedding day that has a blue stone, which is my birthstone. And she gave it to me something, uh, borrowed something blue. My mom passed away when I was eight, so she wasn't able to be there for my wedding. And this angel is something that my mom had given to my aunt and my aunt gave me on my wedding day. So I actually carry that in my purse. And, you know, it's a very special thing. It's made me nervous to carry around in my purse, but it reminds me of several things in life. Just number one, that I'm blessed. My mom passed away when she was 40. I've already surpassed that. And, you know, so many of us in our lives, we, we get all caught up in some of the noise. We forget the blessings that we receive every day. And the first one of those is just life, right? And and live it to your fullest and bless others through it. So I know that that's probably really deep, but that is my special that I carry with me everywhere. 
we needed to hear that. And I'm sorry that you lost your mother at such an early age. And I know that right now that she is absolutely the angel smiling down on you right now, right here. And you're a beautiful person inside and out. And I want to thank you for being here and helping us really to think about giving confidence to each other. There are a lot of important takeaways from today's talk. And you, you seem like you're, again, you're the type of person that's constantly building other people. So thank you for that, Terry, because you've made a lot of great outcomes possible for there are a lot of lives that you've already touched. So thank you so, so much for being in the suite today. And with that, I, I wish you continued good health and safety and God bless you and your family and the entire Carson organization. Thank you so much, Tina. Thank you for having me. And thank you for being a voice for women out there in our profession and uh, just blessing us with the message and the stories that you're sharing of these women, because it's so important that everybody hears them. So well done. And thank you for all you're doing. Thank you. You're listening to In The Suite, a podcast that shares amazing stories of women in business and the financial services and the wealth management industry. This podcast is sponsored by C-Suite Social Media, a digital marketing and social media agency for C-Suite leaders in finance and technology. You can learn more at csuitesocialmedia.com and for today's show notes. And thank you so much for listening and subscribing, helping to support this podcast with your reviews. I would love it. And it would mean so much if you could leave us a five-star review for this episode with the inspiring Terry Shepard. And always, if you would like to share the name of a successful woman in financial services we should interview, please send it to me at tina at csuitesocialmedia.com. We have received a lot of great names so far, and we're working very hard behind the scenes to make it all happen. Again, thank you so much for listening and subscribing to In the Suite.